Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. And I receive supernatural debt cancellation in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Open your Bibles to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. I know I missed you last Wednesday because I was welcoming my daughter into the world. Alexandria Victoria Butler. Seven pounds, seven ounces, 20 and a half inches. So she's doing great. The first lady is doing great. And you'll see the first lady later on on Mother's Day when she's going to speak. So, so maybe I'll exhort for a couple minutes and then she'll take the rest of the time. But she's looking forward to already. She said the Lord already told her what to say, so she's already excited. It's already five weeks away. So I know we're going to have a good time that Mother's Day. So Psalm 103, verse 19. Picking up with part four of laws of the kingdom. Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. We saw in Matthew 4, 17 a few weeks ago that Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. We said, what is the kingdom of God? We said the word kingdom means royalty, rule, reign, and realm. We saw in Daniel chapter 2 that God's kingdom conquers every other kingdom and will break every other system and cause them to pass away like dust in the wind. We said that the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous terms in the Gospels. We said in our previous studies that the kingdom of God is the power of God. The kingdom of God is based in supernatural power. The kingdom of God is also how God operates, is how he does what he does by his power. We said that God's power and his ways are far above every system. And if you operate by the laws and mysteries of the kingdom, you will operate above every system of this world. If you operate by the laws and the mysteries of the kingdom, you will operate above every system in this world. So just because you have access to them as a believer, you may not operate above the systems of this world if you don't regularly use the laws and the mysteries of the kingdom. We looked at the parable in Luke 16, and Jesus said the children of the world and that generation are wiser because they work their system. The people in the world believe in their system and they work it so they succeed in their system. The unjust servant in that parable worked his system and was commended for it. If the unjust believe in their system, the righteous people, the saints of God, should believe in their system just as much, if not more, and work their system if they really want to live above the systems of this world. So we define law, since we're talking about laws of the kingdom, is a statement of fact deduced from observation to the effect that a particular natural or scientific phenomenon always occurs if certain conditions are present. We said it's a principle based on the predictable consequences of an act, condition, or et cetera. It's fundamental truths that should direct our behavior. In the words, some laws are outright called the law of this or the law of that. But there are other laws and principles that can be observed and deduced. 
So we're going to look for one that's not called a law outright in Scripture, but we're going to look at its principle tonight. So go to Romans chapter 14, verse 17. And I wrote down a whole bunch of scriptures, not sure if we'll get to them all. But I want to prove this point to you from the Word of God. As we always say, you're not under any obligation to receive anything from a preacher if he can't prove it or if she can't prove it with the Word of God. Because everybody's got opinions. But, you know, opinions are like armpits. Some stink. So if the opinion is not based on the word of God, you don't have to receive it or live by it. We're word people. We live by the book. So Romans 14, verse 17, says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, or the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness. You in right standing with God. Living in the state that's acceptable to God. God giving you standing that you have access to him. It's of peace. That word peace means security, safety, prosperity, felicity, or the enjoyment of good. So if you don't have peace in your life, go back and see if you're operating in the kingdom of God. But then it also says the kingdom of God is a matter of joy in the Holy Ghost. So the law of joy is an important principle that can be observed and deduced. So go to Luke chapter 2. For sadly, for some people, when they think of Christians, they don't think of joyful people. So look at Luke chapter 2, verse 10. These are the angels appearing to the shepherds on the night Jesus was born. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So one of the things we have to understand, remember Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel is a gospel of great joy, not just joy, megas joy, huge joy. So we say we believe the gospel. If we believe the gospel, we have to believe it's a gospel of great joy. Go to John 15. Joy is a principle of the kingdom and it's very important to God. John 15, verse 11. So Jesus is speaking the word to his disciples. These last few chapters before he is taken and then he goes to die on the cross. So as he's speaking what the Father gave him to say, notice what he says in verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Notice, if joy can remain, joy can leave. And if joy can be full, you can have half full of joy. You could be running on empty. You could have a little bit of joy. You can have a lot of joy. You could be almost full of joy. So what is your joy gauge tonight? If a little circle could appear over your head, empty and full, where would that meter say your joy is tonight? Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5.
Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, or what the work of the Spirit produces in the life of the recreated or born-again Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. So even if you're a person without joy, your joy is on empty, you have access to joy all the time because joy is something the Holy Spirit produces, and if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. So being full of joy is not a decision that's up to God. It's a decision that's up to you. Joy is not dependent on your circumstance. It is not a fleeting emotion. It is a spiritual force. Joy should flow from your relationship with God. Go to Psalm 16. Joy is not a fleeting emotion. It does not depend on your circumstance. It is a spiritual force, and it should flow from your relationship with God. Psalm 16, verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. Another translation says, in his presence, he fills you with joy. So no matter what joy level you're at right now, if you get in God's presence, you can get more joy. You can increase in your joy level. You can even increase in your capacity to hold joy. And notice that at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So let's take a slight rapid show. Remember, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2 tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, right? But Ephesians 2 also tells us that we're seated with him at the right hand of God. So God sat you at the place of his pleasure. God sat you at the place of his joy. God sat you at the place of all the good things. Because that's what he intended for you. And in that place, he wants you to be filled with joy. It's not one day you're going to be seated there. Right in the here and now, you are seated there. It's not just one day you'll go to heaven, but because of what the Word says, technically you're already there. Now, one day you'll leave this body and go there full time, but you're seated with him right there right now. So you have access to this joy. So it's not up to God if you're full of joy. It's a decision you make. So why is this joy important? Go to Nehemiah 8.10. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. So I was like, oh, I really like that scripture, preacher. And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. One of the times when I was ministering in Argentina, I think it was about nine years ago, probably this week, nine years ago, 
And when I was ministering, one of the things I would see a lot, especially those first few days, we were there for almost two weeks, the joy of the Lord would hit. We're ministering in the largest church of the nation. The power of God would hit, and people get drunk in the spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost, falling out laughing and dancing and rejoicing. And so this went on for a few days, and I was talking to the Lord about it one of the times I was praying for people. And I said, well, God, why is this so important? I know it's of you. I know you do this, but why is it important? And then he reminded me, said, my joy is their strength. So anytime the joy of the Lord moves through a church, I'm strengthening my people. So it's not just something that goes, oh, God does that. I do it for a purpose to make my people strong. For his joy is your strength. Go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37. So you have access to this joy all the time. It's important because it's your strength. And so if you don't have joy, that means you don't have strength, which means you'll be weak and the enemy and circumstances of this life can push you around and push you down. It's God's desire to fill you with joy. Before we go there, let's look at Romans 15 real quick. Romans 15, 13. Notice what Paul's praying and believing for for the church of Rome. Now the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. God wants you filled with joy and hope, joy and expectation. There should be joy in your faith. If your faith doesn't have joy, I submit to you, you may not have faith. You may have mental assent or mental knowledge of what the Word says, but when the Word gets down in your heart, it will produce joy. So go to John 7. And as you turn there, Isaiah 12, 3 says, With joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. John 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, is the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost is not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So you might think if you're just reading, why is Jesus standing up in the middle of the temple and shouting this out? Well, you have to understand what was going on on the eighth day of the feast. The priest would go down with this golden pitcher to the pool of Siloam, fill the jar, and go back up towards the temple. But it wasn't just a solemn occasion where it's quiet, everybody is staring. It was a jubilant occasion. There were people dancing. There were people singing. There are people making noise. There are people playing instruments as that priest went up with this water in his hand. And they were singing Isaiah 12, 3. With joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. 
And then this ceremony was so ecstatic, some of the commentary said that people said whoever had not witnessed it had never seen rejoicing at all. So they said if you've never been to the Feast of Tabernacles on the eighth day, you've never been to a party. You've never seen people celebrate. You've never seen people happy. You've never seen people filled with joy unless you went to that eighth day. So when the priest got back to the altar, he would take that pitcher and the water would pour out and go all the way down the altar. So as that water is pouring, Jesus stands up and says, if anybody is thirsty, if anybody wants this not just to be a ceremony you look at, if anybody wants joy that remains, come and talk to me in the parking lot. I got something for you. Because out of your belly shall flow this water. So you won't have to go to the pool of Siloam to get joy. There will be joy on the inside of you. You can pull out and it will flow in abundance. So if it flows in abundance, it's not just joy for you. Your joy becomes contagious and people get around you and just get happy. That is the joy that's available to you. Let's look at this joy some more. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Whenever you want, you can withdraw joy. It's in you. Even if you're running on empty, you can draw that joy and fill it up because the joy is in you because of the Holy Spirit. So if you got no joy, you don't have to stay there for long. There is a law. There's a principle of joy. You can be sad. You can be depressed if you want to. But I know being full of joy is better than being depressed. Being full of joy is better than being happy. Yeah, you can sing the song that you're happy, but being joyful is better than being happy. Because you can be happy one moment, sad the next, frustrated the next, confused the next. But joy can remain. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Whom having not seen ye love, and whom, though now you see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. This joy unspeakable is a joy in which words are inadequate. You can't describe it in intelligible speech. You rejoice in this joy, and you begin to rejoice in this joy, and the glory of God fills wherever you are. Your Christian life should, not be, should be full of joy, not down, not depressed, not sad, not tragic, but full of joy. Pastor John Hagee said this. He said, a Christian life without joy is a discredit to God. A Christian life without joy is a discredit to God. Your joy should be contagious. Why? This is kingdom living. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, a great trial of pressure, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying or begging us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. So notice, Paul's talking to, about a church, the church at Philippi, that they were going through a rough time, a great troubling time. Everybody in that church is pressured. Things are happening in their lives. Affliction is coming at them left and right. 
And not only is it affliction, the affliction caused them to be a place where they were not just broke, they were in deep poverty. Americans don't understand deep poverty. The most broke person in America is still rich in other countries. So this church is in deep poverty. This church is surrounded by affliction and pressure on every side. But it said an abundance of joy lets you know your joy is not dependent on your circumstance. An abundance of joy, they begged Paul, hey, we heard Jerusalem is in trouble. Take this gift and bring it to them. If they had a beg, Paul, that means Paul told them no at least once. Like, keep your money. You're good. No, no, no. no. And they begged him with much entreaty because they wanted to be partners in the ministry of the gospel. They had joy and they gave. Look at chapter 9. Paul's still on the same subject. Verse 1, for as touching the ministry to the saints... It is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the foreignness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Look at verse 6. But this I say, he was so sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he was soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. What happens to the cheerful giver? The one who doesn't give grudgingly of necessity. The one who doesn't just sow sparingly. The one who sows bountifully. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. What is the result of all grace abounding towards you? That you always have all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That's no lack. That's no lack. That's no lack. So that's the promise. That's what's going to happen to the church at Philippi. It says, God loves a cheerful giver. The Amplified Classic Edition says, for God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Amen. Meaning, if God's willing to not do without that type of giver, that means God's not going to let you go broke. Amen. Why? Because like, this person I can trust. Like Mark Hankin says, if you get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. So let's look at the church in Macedonia he's talking about. Go to Philippians 3. Now you have to understand while Paul's writing the letter of Philippians, he's not writing it from a comfortable position. He's in a prison. And this prison, according to some commentaries, some commentators and historians, some places in this prison were under the palace, so it's where the sewage would flow. At some points, the sewage would be so high it could be waist deep. So there'd be people waist deep in sewage chained to the wall. And then it says when they would die, they would just fall from the wall and be part of the sewage. And rats jumping around. So Paul is riding in that surrounding. And you know what he says again and again and again in this letter? Finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So he's in prison, surrounded by stank, in an uncomfortable position. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. He's talking to 
what church is going through. Hey, you know what you need to do while you go through? Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. That word rejoice means to feel or show great joy or delight. He is telling them to be full of joy and to express that joy. So Paul had to make a decision to be joyful no matter what. And he's telling the church to make the same decision. You have to understand the type of person Paul was. When you look at Acts chapter 20, he's going through. He's telling people, he said, I'm heading to Jerusalem. The Holy Ghost has already told me pressure is waiting for me. Persecution is waiting for me. But none of these things move me. I will finish my course with joy. He stood before King Agrippa after he had been arrested and had been in house arrest for two years. He said, what do you have to say for yourself, Paul? He says, I think myself happy. Another translation, I am a happy man. You're like, Paul, you've been through it. They beat you. They stoned you. They left you for dead. They killed you once. You've been shipwrecked. You've been this. You've been that. And what you have to say, I'm a happy man. I consider myself happy. I think myself happy. Sometimes you got to think yourself happy. You got to think yourself joyful. You have to consider yourself happy. It's James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy. So when he fall into diverse temptation, trial, pressure, and affliction, count it joy. Boss, crazy, one joy. People at work tripping, two joy. Spouse acting up, three joy. You're looking for a spouse that can't find one, that's three joy. Your kids acting crazy, four joy. Got caught on 285 again, five joy. Gas went up, six joy. Every situation, I count it as joy. I count it as joy. I count it as joy. Why? You know your God and you know he's not brought you this far to leave you. You've come this far by faith and he's not going to let you down now. If he didn't fail you in the past, he's not going to fail you today. You remember what it says in Psalm 511, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. You must choose to be joyful in the middle of your mess. Jerry Savelle said it this way. If Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your stuff. If Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your stuff. You must decide to be joyful. You must decide to activate the law of joy. Now, how do you do that? To activate the law of joy, you must use your faith. Everything in the kingdom works by faith, and you work your faith by speaking and acting on the word. So even when your emotions are telling you to cry, to scream, to get angry, to do anything but the Bible, you must have the spiritual wherewithal to go, nope, I'm going to stir up the joy right now. So number one, to activate the law of joy, you must say what the word says about joy. Say what God said in his word about joy. Say what God said to your heart about joy. Remember what he told us at the beginning of the year. He promised us you've never laughed this much like you're going to laugh this year. So I say that out of my mouth on a regular basis. And anytime I say that, a smile already starts forming on my face. Hey, you're going to laugh more this year than you ever laughed in your life. You're going to laugh more this year than you ever laughed in your life. And if you keep saying that, you'll notice something on the inside. If you're in tune with the Spirit, begins to stir up and rise. What is that? That joy is growing. 
So number one, say what the word says about joy. Number two, claim that joy for yourself. Yes, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I can be filled with joy. That's what belongs to me as a believer. I believe, I receive it. I have joy. Three, you must say you have it. Four, you must act like you're joyful. So if you took it by faith, if you stirred it up, don't go just, well, nothing's happened. Nothing, 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 nothing. You got to act like it. So you put a smile on your face. Well, I feel like crying. I didn't say what you felt like. I said you put your smile on your face. And you act joyful. You start acting by faith. Because if you keep stepping out by faith and walking by faith, that joy keeps rising and rising and rising. And all of a sudden, you find yourself dancing. You find yourself singing. You find yourself walking joyful. People say, oh, what happened to you? You stirred up the joy. Number five, you must spend time in God's presence by being in the word, by being in prayer, by praise, and by worship. Go to Jude. Coming down the home stretch. Book of Jude. Jude. Ha ha ha. That's another way you activate the law of joy. You choose to laugh. You can laugh by faith. Because if you get to laughing by faith, before long, it won't be by faith because it's flowing. Jude one twenty four. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, thank God, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Amen. So notice he's able to keep you from falling. And that when you stand before him, we talked about this a few Sundays ago, that because you've been washed in the blood, when he sees you, he doesn't see you with any problems. He sees you as spotless as Jesus. He's able to do that. But not only present you there, but present you there with exceeding joy. So it is the will of God you have joy in this life, that you finish your life with joy. And when you stand before him, you're there with exceeding joy. Not going, oh, did I finish my course? Hey, I did it. I got a well done. So not only am I joyful in this life, I'm joyful in pressure. I'm joyful in good times. I'm joyful in bad times. I'm joyful on the mountaintop. I'm joyful when it feels like the mountain fell on me. I'm joyful every day of my life. At the end, I'm going to lay back in my bed saying, well, I bless you all. I'm a happy man. Ha, ha, ha. I'm going to heaven. I stand before the throne and go, ha, ha, ha again. Here I am. God has been faithful. He's presented me before himself with exceeding great joy. It's the will of God for you to be joyful. C.S. Lewis says, heaven does its most serious work it's most serious business in the atmosphere of joy. So anytime you get filled with joy or the joy of the Lord is moving through the church, God is taking care of some business. So you can't always be so uptight when you come to church. You got to let the Lord move on you. And people go, what's wrong with you? The Lord is handling some business. I'm handling some business right now. You don't know what I need. You don't know what my life is when I walk out of these doors. So I'm going to rejoice like I have no sense because I'm handling some business right now. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice because I got some business to handle right now in the presence of the Lord. 
When he looked at these feasts in the Old Testament, when they began to rejoice, it said the people who led the rejoicing were the most dignified, the richest, the most successful. So in church, when God begins to move, when we begin to rejoice, don't act undignified. Don't act broke. Don't act unsuccessful. Go ahead and fit in with the Holy Ghost and rejoice. Go ahead and fit in with the Holy Ghost and celebrate. Go ahead and fit in with the Holy Ghost and laugh. See, Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. So you can't be so uptight if your God is rejoicing. God rejoices over you. He joys over you. He sings over you. God the Father can sing. Isn't that going to be one thing when we get to heaven and we hear the Father sing? And he's singing over you. He's rejoicing over you. Psalm 2, 4 says, he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. What he's laughing at? People who come against him and think they're going to win. The devil's stirring up things and the devil thinks he's going to win. So what does God on the throne do? He laughs at the devil. Ha, ha, ha. Imagine that celestial chuckle. The great God on the throne. Laughing. Not just some, see, we, when we picture God on the throne, we look at Greek mythology, we picture someone mad, frown on his face, ready to zap somebody with lightning. But God is laughing. And his presence is fullness of joy. Do you think there's someone depressed in heaven? Do you think there's depressed angels up there? No, no, they're filled with joy. Why? That's who God is. He's a joyful being. He's a joyful person. And he wants you to be filled with joy. He wants you to experience his joy, not just when he get there, but to have it in your life. And one of the things I realized from reading the scriptures, that if you want to harvest if you want the harvest, God's promised you. If you want to harvest greatly, you must be filled with joy. There's a connection between joy and reaping your harvest. So you say, well, I've been sowing seed, I've been believing, but if you're still walking around depressed, you ain't going to get everything God's got for you. You got to stir up that joy. Go to Psalm 105, verse 43. Lighten up, laugh a little bit. Stir up the joy of the Lord. Psalm 105, verse 43. I believe we looked at this scripture a couple times in January. He's talking about when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Verse 43, and he brought forth or he broke out his people with joy. And is chosen with gladness. We know this is our breakout year. And not only are we being broken out, he's going to break us out with great joy. Because one of the things I put on that fill in the blanks with this great year is going to be a great year of joy. He's going to break you out of whatever situation you're in with joy. Go to Psalm 126. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Psalm 126. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of the Lord. 
Psalm 126, verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. So when they went away into bondage into Babylon, and God broke them out again, because his mercy endures forever, because he's faithful to the children of Abraham, and we are the seed of Abraham because we're in Christ, so he's faithful to us too. So he turned their captivity. We were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the heathen, the nations, the people that don't know God, the Lord have done great things for them. The Lord have done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. Notice what it says now. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. If he's asking to turn again, one of the things you learn when they came back from Babylon, they came back in different stages. So the promise of God had began to be fulfilled, but it wasn't completely fulfilled. So they're still standing in faith. Turn to completely, Lord. They that sow in tears shall reap in what? Shall reap in what? Shall reap in what? He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with them. So even there may be times when you're given, still thinking about what's going to happen in my life, how God's going to make it happen. I'm being faithful. I'm doing what God said. I don't see how it's going to happen. You may have been acting in faith and it's been hard on your emotions. You may have been doing what God said and you're crying. You may not know what's going to happen, but God has promised you, although you may have gone out in tears, you're coming back with great joy although you're going with precious seed you're coming back with arms for rejoicing go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 there's a connection between joy and rejoicing and harvesting Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 26 For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and what? Joy. But to the sinner, he still gives them something too. He gives them a job. He giveth travail to gather and to heap up. So he gives the sinners a ministry to go gather and to heap up. Why? That he may give to him that is good before God. So he gives to his people wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But for those who don't want him, he says, I'm still going to give you a job. You're going to go and heap up money. You can go and heap up stuff. You're going to go heap up wealth, authority, and influence. And at my set time, you're going to give it to my people. <laughs> Good Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, God gives joy. You got to stir up that joy. You got to live in his presence. Practice the presence of God. His presence is not just at church. He lives in you, Christian. He rests upon you, believer. His presence is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord... God is upon me. So he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We know this is what the Holy Spirit was doing through Jesus. But then the scripture goes on and says, and the vengeance of, 
our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. We know we're heavenly Jerusalem. We know we're the Zion above. And it says to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. The oil is always a symbol of the Holy Spirit and of his power. You can't get a sad Holy Ghost. He will anoint you with the oil of joy. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old ways. They shall raise up the former desolations. This is still the work of the Holy Ghost. And they shall repair the way cities, the desolations of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves for your shame you shall have double and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion therefore in their land they shall possess the double everlasting joy shall be unto them God is of God of restoration he is a God of joy you need to stir up the joy you need to live this life filled with joy. You need to respond to every attack of the enemy with faith and with laughter. You must choose to laugh at the devil. You must choose to laugh at your circumstances because you know it's not over till you win. Don't think the devil has the final word. God has given the believer authority. And what you said, if you say the word, is what goes. So it doesn't matter what you're facing today. The word of the Lord to you is stir up the joy. Activate the law of joy. Choose to rejoice. Choose to be like Paul and think yourself happy. Choose to finish your course with joy. Don't give up. Say, oh, but I'm tired. I'm going home to be with the Lord. Well, if you finish your sign, we can go home. But don't go home tired. Don't go home beat. Go home joyful. Go home happy. Fight the good fight of faith and finish with joy and laugh. Act like your heavenly father and laugh. Just be imitators of him as dear children. So if he laughs at problems, you should laugh at problems. There's joy in you. You just got to use it. So if we just preached on joy this whole time, guess what we're going to do? We're going to act on the word and we're going to stir up the joy. So stand to your feet. Because what happens, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith has risen in your heart about joy. So now you just got to use your faith. Say, I believe the word. There is joy in me right now because of the Holy Spirit. So I stir up that joy. Father, I'm in your presence. And in your presence... There is fullness of joy. And in your presence, you fill me with joy. So I request, I ask for a download of joy. I want to be filled with joy. Expand my capacity to receive more joy. I choose to be joyful. I choose to be happy. I choose to be joyful in this life. 
I choose to be joyful at the end of my life because I believe that you will present me in your presence with fullness of joy. So I got joy right now. It's rising up on the inside. I believe you've given me the victory in every situation. So now I'm going to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now do it. Open your mouth and rejoice. Hallelujah. full of glory. So that was your warm-up. I'll give it to you. That was your warm-up. Let's try again. Now I'm going to rejoice. but that's okay. Now let's say what the Lord told us in January. Say, I'm going to laugh more this year than I've ever laughed in my life. I'm going to laugh more this year than I've ever laughed in my life. So I'm going to laugh right now. It's already April. I got to catch up. So go ahead and laugh. Come on and laugh. Go ahead and laugh by faith if you need to. Ha ha ha! It may sound dry, but go ahead and start up. Ha 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 ha! 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 Ha ha <laughs> Don't make me come back there. Ha. <laughs> I remember him being in meetings with Richard Roberts. And he would talk about how the joy of the Lord delivered him from depression and brought him a great financial breakthrough. And so as he would tell that testimony, the joy of the Lord would hit. There would always be like a catalyst. Someone always trying to start something filled with the Holy Ghost early. And you would see things happen. And it wasn't like it was a church service. It was a class. There was no organ. There was no music. 
And then people start getting filled with joy. I remember there were some people in our class that I knew them personally. They had just got saved recently. They weren't just that, they weren't that deep spiritually. You know, they're, you know, if God came at that moment, they just barely get in. But the joy hit. And, you know, they, you know, they came in going like, well, what's all this about? Because it was called the joy of the Lord class. And the joy of the Lord would hit them. And then in a, you turn around, you see them rolling on the ground. One of them had gum in his mouth. Spit it out, rolled over it, it's on his pants. And he goes, and this is a guy who was dressed always in good clothes. He goes, I've got gum on my pants. Ah, you go, what in the world is going on? Because that joy became so contagious. That's eating an Oreo was already a special place. But people knew when the joy of the Lord class would happen. Because they would hear it, there was a sound that would come. When you have hundreds of people drunk in the Holy Ghost, there's a sound. And people will see the group come and say, no, nah, you stay away. I got a test to take today. I got to go to work. I can't be drunk at the office. What happened? That joy was contagious. That joy was real. It's Acts chapter 2 all over again. That when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, it said that they said they were drunk. They don't say they're drunk just because they talked in another language. You're only, they only say you're drunk because you start walking a little bit different. You start wobbling a little bit. People on the ground, remember it says Peter stood up with the 11. That means they're on the ground. And he had to say these people, it's not drunk like you suppose. It's only 9 a.m. in the morning. And that might not mean much today, but it meant something then. It's only 9 a.m., but they're filled with the Holy Ghost. And then Paul said in Ephesians 5, be being filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, you can't get drunk in the natural without opening your mouth and drinking. Almost everybody agrees with that principle. You got to open your mouth and put something in. So if you want to experience this joy, you got to open your mouth. And you got to laugh. Don't look dignified. Don't go look around. Go, ooh, is that going to happen to me? Open your mouth. And laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Come on, men, stop looking so dignified. Ha, ha, ha. Come on and laugh. <laughs> and you can do this every day. Not just at church, you can do it every day. You can stir up the joy. So let's just do the refrain of that song. Ah ha ha. Go ahead. Ha 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 
They're gonna walk around sad, walk around depressed, look defeated, look like Satan has whooped you even though he's a defeated foe. Or you're gonna access this joy that makes you strong. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. There's always a catalyst. Glory to Jesus. Dathan, come lead us in a laugh. You can lead us in a song, so come lead us in a laugh. Am I doing <laughs> See, in an atmosphere like this, people get healed. You should go ahead and check yourself. Yes. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Some of y'all can go digni be dignified and depressed if you want to be. I choose joy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Mark Hankins telling this one story that he was at one of Dad Hagen's camp meetings. And the Holy Ghost got to moving. People started laughing and jumping and running. 
And then he saw all these businessmen rolling around at the altar. And he saw them like, what are these undignified businessmen doing? And the Lord said, every one of them is a millionaire. You should get your broke self down there and join them. You know what he did? He took his broke self down there and joined them. And he ain't broke no more. <laughs> Laughing is a way you receive. <laughs> it's part of the kingdom that doesn't make sense to the natural mind. But that there's power in that when you rejoice and act in this glory, that you act in this love, it fills the place with his presence. Because you choose to be joyful. <laughs> Come on, let's shout unto God one more time. Shouts for joy. about what God is doing and about to do. I, I just can't even. <laughs> it's joy unspeakable. So I don't have intelligent speech, but I can describe it going, hey, Ramama Kishten and Mahanda. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.